I want to bless Terrell for that opening. Uh, greetings tonight in the name of Jesus, the one whom I serve, the one who I adore, the one who I love with my entire heart. But when you look at that lesson this morning with David and Goliath, the two powers that we experience today were coming together over that little valley. It was a power of the evil one, and it was a power of the Lord. But I, I, I really want to bring us quickly to what I believe that the Lord put on my heart to share tonight. And that is uh, a word that is very uh, commonly and very much used in our culture today. And, and it's the word love. Now, what I experience uh, for the most part as I hear that word, when we say the word love, we say love because we're living in an expectant of something. And so there's a lot of problems within the, in the realm of the church today. And you have people leaving the church and they say, well, uh, the church didn't love me, okay? Uh, so they came to the church with expectancy. Husbands and wives today are, are separating. I uh, had, a, had a, a street woman there in Butler the other night, and, and she was married to a guy who was married to a woman before, and, uh, and she made the statement. She said, you know, uh, I believe my marriage to this guy for that period of time uh, was just to love him. I said, uh, answer me a question. How do you put on and take off love? How do you do that? And she looked, looked at us astonished. It's like, whoa, whoa. We're living in a culture where I identify with Scripture where it says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. And it seems right today that we pursue, that we engage, and we, we fully immerse ourselves in the culture of today. We hear of, of churches today who are, are seeker-friendly to the world. Oh, we got to change our practices. we got to do some things different. we got to let go of standards. we got to let down because we have to bring them in. Is that indeed scriptural? Is that indeed love? Tonight I would like for us to do something for just a moment. You know, when, when you come to a railroad track, what do you do? You stop, you look, and you listen. What are you looking for? You're looking for a train. I know one guy who, on a foggy morning when he approached a track, he would literally get out of his vehicle, and he would go up close to the track, and he would put his ear to the ground. He was listening for the rumble of the train. Let me ask you something tonight. What is coming out of your life? Let's stop, let's look, and let's listen. What comes out of your life? What does it look like? What does it really look like? Is it prosperity? Tonight, if you were to lay yourself before the Lord... And you would begin to analyze, and you knew that within three days, your body was going to be lowered into the ground. You knew that this church 
was preparing a message over your casket, you knew that they'd probably have a meal, the flowers are delivered, I ask you tonight, your life, if it was recorded on a tombstone, what would your tombstone read? Would it read prosperity? Would it read intelligent? What would it read? Would it read bitter? Would it read angry? Would it read defeat? Would it read defiled? What would it read, I ask you tonight? And I have to evaluate my life all the time before the Lord and let the Lord speak to me. I tell you tonight, unless that tombstone would read that your soul hangs on the authority and the blood of Jesus Christ as forgiven, and you serve a satisfied God, you and I indeed are lost. I love the passage in Isaiah whereby God looked upon the travail of His only begotten Son and He sees the suffering and He sees the blood and He sees all the anguish. And what does that passage teach us? God was satisfied. Tonight I serve a satisfied God. Hallelujah, praise God. It's not in my own righteousness. It's nothing that I can do or accomplish, anything that I have to boast about, but I place my faith in the blood whereby God was satisfied. Unless we're there, we are lost. We are lost. You see, and, and there's, a, there's a key to all this that God has been showing me. The Bible says, and I was the worst sinner tonight, I, I get emotional about this when I think of my past. I was bound for hell, and I tell people that I, I walked across the scaffolding of hell, and by God's grace, I never went in. God was merciful. Bible says, to whom much is forgiven, he loves much. That's me, church. That's me. I was the worst sinner that ever walked the face of the earth. But I'm not here to tell you about my past. It was terrible. It was awful. And it was ungodly. But by God's grace, his mercy, he spared my life for a divine purpose. And that's to share the gospel. And by his grace, by his authority, and by his power, I shall do so. Let me ask you something tonight. How many of us here read our Bible every day? Many people come to me and they say, Brother Danny, teach me how to have devotions. The answer is simple, very simple. Learn to love the author of the book, and you'll love the book. It's simple. It's simple. I cannot go with read, without reading God's Word every day. I can't do it. I will die. I will die. How many of us are, are instant in prayer and out of prayer and the spirit of prayer every day? Do you commune with God? Are you in You see, the reason that David approached Goliath in that confidence was because David had a relationship with God. 
He knew who God was. He knew what God was about. Joseph was another one of those men. Joseph, when that, that woman was about to seduce him or, or defile him, Joseph didn't say, oh, I can't do this because of the church. I can't do this because somebody might see me. He said, what should I sin against God? Should I sin against God was, was Joseph's question. And his answer was, no, I shall not sin against God. And tonight, as we approach the subject of love, and I must move on or I'm going to blow the time completely, but, but as we approach this, this subject of love, all of us in this room, our heart is in a condition of some kind tonight. It's in a condition of some kind tonight. And I'd like for you to, to turn your Bibles with me to Matthew, the 13th chapter, and Jesus put forth a parable here about, about the seed, about a sower, and about the soil. And, and, and he, he puts this parable forth, and there was some who couldn't understand, and so he's expounding this to the disciples. Now, your heart is just like some kind of soil. Your heart tonight is either hard, your heart is carnal, your heart is bitter, your heart is unloving because you don't understand the love of God. Your heart is in some kind of condition. And it breaks my heart tonight to see men that I have looked up to. I have had great respect as godly men. And they die. And I figure out they were closet sinners. Practiced sin in the in the closet of their life. Listen, the Bible teaches us that what's done in the closet is going to be known on the housetop. You and I can't get away from God. So let's quit trying. Let's quit deceiving ourselves. Let's quit believing that I can do this and spiritually live. That's the voice of the devil. There was a group of pastors came to Angola, Indiana... And they were having a minister's retreat. And the lady who was taking care of the motel made this statement. I have never had a group of men who profess to be godly request so much pornography. I thought about that. I thought there's something wrong. Something's happening. I tell you tonight, if you are in the sin of, of pornography, you are not bound. There is victory to be had. The power of God can release and unfold all of that and set you free. Do we really believe that tonight? David believed. David believed that God triumphant would be victorious, and God was. Do you believe that tonight? In this passage... It talks about soil, it talks about seed, and it talks about sowing. If you break into the 19th verse of uh, Matthew 13, <coughs> here's what he said. Well, in the 18th verse, he said, hear, hear you therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, Catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. 
And the best way to explain that, I, I'm a farmer. I, uh, I do some hay. And we just put in a, a small field of hay recently. And, and uh, there's a lot of no-tilling, all that kind of thing going on, spraying, all that. Well, I'm still from the old school. Uh, I, I, I identify with Scripture. You rip up the soil. You break it up. You tear it up. I mean, you just, it looks like it's destroyed and ruined. But then there's another process. You come back and you begin with the fitting tools. And you lay that out until it's just smooth and beautiful. Well, I like to take and broadcast my seed because this is just me, okay? I'm not here creating contention or dispute, but I think I get a better stand broadcasting. Well, here's what I'm learning. When I come up to the end of that field and I turn with the broadcasting, some of that seed falls beyond the fallow ground that's been worked up torn up and fitted. You know what I notice about that seed? That seed, if there's enough moisture in the ground, that seed will spring up in a couple of days. Shoots forth the blade. I go back a week later and it's dead. That's the wayside tonight, my dear people. People hear the word of God. Oh, this sounds great. Yeah, and the devil comes. Ah, and it's gone. It's gone. Well, there's another condition to the, to the soil. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and an with joy receiveth it. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you as joyful about God's word as you were when you first came to know the Lord? Huh? If your answer is no, you fit in the category of a stony heart. You see, I took a big tray at church, and I put very fertile, almost muck dirt in the one end, and then I began just bringing the grade of that soil down to where it was almost all stones. And I had the children come up, and I was getting ready to go in revival meeting, and I said, now you sow the seed where you think it will grow the best. And it was amazing, the concept of the little children. We had seed clear through that tray. So I took it home, and I wet it down good, and I left. And when I came back, oh, Scripture just jumped out at me as I looked at that tray. You see, in the, in the stony place, there's little bits of soil here and there. I don't know if you all have stones over here or not, but, but some of that ground where I'm used to, like in Michigan and in through that, you never quit hearing the clang of the disc blade and the, and, and the chisel shank or whatever because there's that many stones. You see, and there's a little bit of dirt there. It's received. The seed, the seed germinates. It springs up. But something happens. Listen. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while... For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. He is offended. And what do we see happening to those people? Spiritually, they disappear. They disappear. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world 
and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Brothers and sisters, friends, saved and unsaved tonight, what do the cares of this world look like in your life and mine? What do they look like? There's a term that I hear over and over and over as I travel and move around in life. We are so busy. We are so busy. We are so busy. We are so busy. I ask you the question tonight. What are you and I busy with? What am I busy with? How many hours in the week do you and I avail ourselves for the farm, the job, the truck, whatever it is? How many hours a week do I avail myself? How much do I engage in that? And then the other question is, what's my life look like in relationship to God? What does it look like? So as you hold these two in your hands, the cares of this life and the power of God, walking and living in the Spirit of God, I love that life. I love that. Where I don't have uh, what you call a regular job, and you may say, well, that guy's slothful, you know? He needs a job. Many, many years ago, I stood on a piece of ground, and I think at the time I was running four different businesses, plus had a small farm operation in the background. And my, my term to a lot of people was time is money. Time is money. Now, if that's what you're going after in life, uh, that's an accurate statement. But it's a deceptive statement. Hear my heart. And I stood communing with God. And God had shown me a vision of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, friends, tonight, it was absolutely beautiful. He was engulfed in a cloud to his waist. His hands were outstretched, and the glory, the glory that I beheld, I shall never forget. He was coming to earth. You see, prior to that, I had walked into the house at 1 o'clock in the morning with two children by my side with a wife sitting on a rocking chair. Hey, hey guys, we were making money. I'm here to tell you tonight, we were making money. And my wife was weeping. I said, dear, what's wrong? She said, this is not living. This is not living. So God shows up by the authority of his Holy Spirit, and he said, I'm asking you to get rid of it all. God ever ask you to do that? There was no plan, church, in the, for, for plan B in my life to provide and do all that. God said, I want you to get rid of it all. You see, I had worked one full day the whole next night, and I had kind of collapsed in the shop. You got to rest sooner or later, you know. 
and God begins to work in my life. As we communed together, as we communicated, I said, okay, Lord. You see, I didn't sell those businesses. I gave them away. They were like hot potatoes in my hand. And, and I knew some guys that were interested in different aspects of it. And I just let it go. I let it go. And I, I turned and I kind of told the Lord. I said, Lord, this is going to hurt when I fall. I remember it was like we were talking together. And God kind of asked me this question. Have I ever let you fall? I learned something with my children. I used to like to put them up on a counter or something like that, and I'd stand back and I'd say, jump. I've never left any drop. They always trusted me. Had I let them fall, they'd have never jumped again. You see, God is to be trusted. God is faithful. That's who he is. God is good. That's who he is. It doesn't depend on my circumstance whether or whether or not God is good. God is good because that's who God is. Make a long story short through all that. I got rid of the businesses. I turned and I faced life in a total new way. It was foreign to me. I depended upon the leading of the Spirit to make my living as I still do. You know what happened? You know what happened? I had more money at my fingertips than I ever had trying to manage those businesses. Is God good? Absolutely. The cares of this life. Do you find yourself tonight being overloaded with the care? Oh, I am so busy. I believe that one day the devil, and this is my own opinion now, it's not coming from God's word, but I believe that one day the devil got his workers together and he said, hey, these Anabaptists, you're not going to get them to recant the Lord. You're not going to get them to stand and say, I defy God and all of that. But he said, I got a plan. Let's make them busy. Let's make them real busy, and then let's make them busy, and they will forget to read their word, the Word. They will forget to pray. They will forget what life is all about, and slowly but surely, they shall drift from my love. Huh? And we're going to look at that subject tonight. One of the greatest commandments that God ever commanded of His people. Thou shalt love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with everything within you. Let me ask you tonight, are you living life that way? Stop at that railroad crossing and let God give you a printout of the inventory of you and I's life. And if you find yourself short, as you do that, repent. Because it's very, very obvious in the book of Revelation. i got to keep moving. In the book of Revelation, in that second chapter, where God comes to a church by the power of the Spirit, and it's the church at Ephesus. And he says this, These things saith he that holdeth the seven candlesticks in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works. <coughs> Tonight, God knows 
the works of Salem Mennonite Church. He knows them. I know thy works and thy labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. And you've tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and you've found them to be liars. You've borne, you've had patience for my name's sake, you've labored, and you've not fainted. Now, if we were to stop there, our conclusion would have to be that was a spiritual church at Ephesus. It was a spiritual church. Brothers and sisters, tonight, we may look right. We may talk right. We may come to church. We may do the things that impress people that I am spiritual. We may, we may preach the gospel as I'm doing tonight. We may do all these things, but I want you to notice something. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. I ask you tonight, has that first love remained? You know, Abraham... God really wanted to know this man, Abraham, does he love me above all else? He said, I want you to take your son, your only son. I want you to do something with that son. I want you to take him over here to the mountain. I want you to take him up on that mountain. I want you to slay him, and I want you to offer him to me. Jesus comes back in his teachings while he was here on earth. And he said, the person that cannot leave, leave, he uses the word hate, I use the word leave, Jesus uses the word hate, if you can't hate father, mother, children, mother-in-law, son-in-law, whatever, fill in the blank, you cannot be my disciple, is what Jesus said. And he looked at Abraham and he said, I want you to sacrifice that only, that only son. You know the story. You've heard it a thousand times. Abraham takes that son, and up the mountain he goes. And at the end of all of it, God said to Abraham, I know you love me more than anything else. Tonight, is that where you're living life? Is that where you are? Or what is, what is the love of your life? I hear all these terms as I share with people. And you'll know what the love of your life is by what you talk about, by what you pursue, where you put all your time, your ambition, your efforts. You will know what you love. We're not without knowledge of what we love. We're not without knowledge of what we love. I remember getting married to Marie most beautiful woman in the world, still is. And her love is growing. I remember standing up front of that church, and all of a sudden, here she comes. Oh, I just couldn't wait to get my arms around her and say, Lord, thank you for giving her to me. What about my relationship with God the Father? Am I still there? 
is the joy of the Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. Don't cast me away. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation. One of the most disappointing things, and for about 17 years I've been traveling and preaching, one of the most disappointing things to me is when you stand and you ask a church for testimonies of the power of God. How many of you understand German here? There's a few. You become the stille of the land. That means you become the quiet of the land. And to squeeze out a testimony is like trying to press cider out of tomatoes. You see? Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you what. If we, are living, uh, if we are living by the principle, and God says, unless you've left, if you've left your first love, you need to repent. That means we are living in re- violation of God's desire for our lives. We've left our first love. Something has captured that love. Something has swerved our attention. We've gone off of that road. Of loving the Lord with all our heart, our soul, our strength, our mind. And when we love God in that way, there is no more room for any other love. It is complete and full in that commandment. If you're struggling with devotion, if you're struggling with reading God's word, learn to love that author and you will love his word. You will love his word. There's a young lady who was on a train one day, and she had a book, and she was trying to read it, just couldn't get into that book. She laid it aside. Pretty soon a man comes in, sets down beside her, and, and he looked at the book. He seen the book, and he said, Oh, how do you like that book, you know? Well, he said, Well, I'm the author of that book. He leaves, and she quickly picked up the book, and she had interest in that book. Why? Because she had met the author. Love the Lord with all your heart. My challenge to us tonight is live life in that manner. And when your heart is full of the love of God, he that has forgiven much loves much. And I ask you tonight, as a sinner saved by grace, how much have you and I been forgiven? Huh? How much have we been forgiven? Brothers and sisters, tonight, I owe my complete life to the authority of God the Father for His glory, for Him to be glorified through my life. It's about His glory. It's about Him. It's not about me. And so when we, when we begin to change that focus of life, all of life and its dynamics begin to change. I believe this. <clears throat> now I'm really going to start meddling, and if at this time you want to throw me out, you're welcome to. I've been pitched out of two different churches, so I'm kind of used to that. I believe this. If we came to the point as Anabaptist church people where we love the Lord with all our heart, our soul, our strength, first of all, in the church, all the conflicts would go away. They would go away. Because you know what? When we love in that manner, it's no longer about me, but it's about the glory of the Lord. It's about Him. You see, 
The Bible teaches us that we are to become in the image and the identity of Christ, and it even says that we are to be hidden in Christ. So when I'm hidden in Christ, you know what God the Father sees? He sees the blood, doesn't he? He doesn't see my sin. But when I move out from behind that image, immediately God the Father sees my sin. Huh? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Huh? Let this mind be in me that was in Christ Jesus. He said, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Now, the Spirit is asking these people for the first works of God. Let me tell you a little secret about the New Testament, the New Covenant. It's all about the first. It's all about the first. It's not about allotting, this is your money here, Lord, and now this is mine, uh, this is your time, Lord. This... No, no! It's about the first fruits of our life. And when you take the first, you've taken everything. And God is Lord of that life. And when we present ourselves as that before the Lord, the Lord comes in to be the authority of our life. I know many a truck drivers tonight who are waiting for that clock to say 12 o'clock midnight. Because you know what they're going to do? They're going to jump in that truck and be gone. It's the wrong spirit. I'm sorry. You're if you're there tonight, you're in the wrong spirit. I know many a people who get on the road consistently and they set the cruise 12 to 13 mile an hour over because they say they are graced at. If that's your spirit tonight, you are wrong. The Bible says that we are to obey them who have the rule over you. And let me tell you something. God has shown me very clearly by that whole passage, that concept, intentional speeding is sin. It is sin. I preached that in a church where there was a group of truck drivers and them boys came up for air. They really did. It doesn't change the gospel. It doesn't change the gospel. You see, God has given us, God has given us the ability to have the spirit of loving him with all our heart. God has given us that opportunity. But until we see what we have been saved from and repent of the, the spirit of the culture and the world, and the world's spirit today is eat, drink, and be merry. And so i got to save up for retirement. i got to go. i got to run over 55 or 65 or out west it's 75 and 80. So you run that, you're up at 92 mile an hour. i got to, i got to, i got to. In closing, let me give you a little demonstration of buying a car. And, and you know why we get to where we are and we find ourselves in sin and we find ourselves in bondage and all of that. It's because the devil gets us to love the sin. And if he does, we're going to sin. It's all about that first love for the Lord, folks, tonight. If I don't love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, I am attempting to have a heart of dual love relationships. 
can't be done. It can't be done. There was a young couple needed a car. I don't know how many of you purchased a car just lately. Are there any car salesmen in the batch? No, oh, that, that's good. Um, and they needed a car. They had a young baby, uh, added some expense to the, to the situation of their marriage and all of that. And, and uh, they, they, they talked together. They came to agreement that they could spend about $15,000 on a car. So dad, he goes car shopping. Now I'm going to tell you something about uh, car dealers. They create an atmosphere of comfort. When you walk up to that place, you hear bah, 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 nice music, gentle, flowing out of that place. And there's a coffee pot in there somewhere. And there's a friendly salesman meets you. Here, have a cup of coffee. What can I do for you today? You see? So they set the stage of comfort, exactly what the devil does in our lives. After all, I got to retire, and I, I, I challenge you, unless physically you are disabled, does the Bible ever promote retirement? Huh? Does it? I don't find it. So people look at me and they say, Denny, you're 67 years old. What are you trying to prove in life? I'm trying to bring glory to the Lord. And so we push the throttle full tilt ahead and engage in God's kingdom. And God opens the floodgates and brings the people. I am amazed. We have a lot of contacts of the street. And we, we meet these street people. And the devastation that is out there, the devastation is out there is overwhelming. But that's not the subject. Come to that car dealer, and, and he, he creates this atmosphere of comfort. What can I do for you today? Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret about buying a car. This is what I've learned. He's got to figure out what you can afford and what you really want. Never tell him. Never tell him I've got $15,000 to spend, because he's going to spend it for you. And so you tell him, well, I need a car. This is what I'm looking for. Oh, we have just a deal for you this week. We have rebates to no end. I mean, we're, we can take thousands of dollars off. We have this vehicle for $30,000. But, 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 wait a minute. And so he begins deducting his rebates, his turnbacks. And he begins to... Bring you into a mindset of, I am getting a deal. You see, that's what happens with the devil. The, the spirit of the world, and the Bible commands us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For the, what's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And the Bible says that if the spirit of the world dwells in, in any of us, we are none of his. And so he brings that atmosphere. This salesman brings out a thing. Now he said, come on over here and look at this vehicle. And he whips the door open. He says, Walt, climb in. That's your first mistake. If you don't want to buy the car, don't crawl in. Matter of fact, I'll go with the second statement. If you don't want to buy the car, don't touch the thing. Let it alone. He says, get in there. Why? He says it has dual climate control. Look at the leather on that steering wheel. This thing is fully loaded with leather. It has anything you want to dream of. You don't even have to talk on your telephone. Just punch the mirror. And you've got it all. Get in. 
The guy slid in. Next thing he done, he threw him the keys. He said, take it for a ride. You see? You see the, the progression? So he backs it out of there, and he takes it down the road, and he takes it for a ride. Comes back, and he says, wow, look at the wheels on that thing. It's those 24-inch mag spinners. They're just, it's just immaculate. Look at the paint job. He said, why, I have the contract all rode up for you. Well, he does finally ask, what's the cost? 25000 He signs the contract. Out the door he goes, believing he's gotten a deal of 5000 bucks. You see, folks, when we, when we focus on the aggression of having and getting in this physical life, you see, the Bible says, godliness with contentment is what? Tell me. Great gain. A coveting perp- person is wide open to the deception of the devil. Wide open. And the devil will supply your coveting heart. Gets in that car. He drives down the road. And suddenly, the steering wheel no longer feels so good. The climate control is not attractive. The leather, complete leather, and the luxury of that vehicle is gone. Is gone. Brother Taylor was talking about Sunday school lesson. We had the same lesson this morning. When Saul meets Samuel, you notice what he done? I have done the commandment of the Lord. We have done, Lord, what you told us to do. That's how he meets Samuel. Samuel said then, well, what means the bleeding of the sheep and the oxen and all of this? Oh, the people. You see, this young man went home to a wife that knew they were struggling financially. And she said, what about, what about diapers? What about formula? What about all this for the child? And you spent $25,000? You see, that's how sin works. And the devil allures us making us believe that this is satisfying to what we're really looking for. When indeed, what God is asking us to just love him with all our heart, our soul, our strength, our might. This evening, if you find your your heart torn in a love for the world and you're trying to love God, I ask you to repent. I ask you to repent. And repentance is very evident in the heart of a repentant person because it changes his or her life. It will change you forever. Tonight I challenge you. I challenge you. Don't get caught up in the cares of this life. Don't get caught up in the cares of this life. I am watching people who stood for God's authoritative word leave that word and suddenly they become loud and they become spiritual and they become holy. Exactly what Saul done. We have have completed the commandment of the Lord. We brought those back to sacrifice. And what did Samuel ask him? Which is better, sacrifice or obedience? 
Which is better, sacrifice or obedience? You see, God wants to know that I love him with all of my heart, my soul. And there is no other love in my life. Not the love for my job, not the love for my wife above him, not the love for my children, not the love for anything above him. But I love him with that first love. Everything within me cries, God, I've got to have you. I love you. I love you. I know what you've forgiven me for. And you've set me free, Lord. I love you. In closing tonight, do we know that song, We Place You on the Highest Place? Do we know that? Any? No? Anybody else know it? Yeah, we got a few. Let's stand and those that know it. Sing that song. Can you lead it? You on the highest place, or you are the great high priest. We place you. before you this moment with the commitment I trust in every heart here tonight to place you on the highest place because you are the great high priest we think of the blood of Jesus Christ whereby God the Father the Creator you looked upon and were satisfied Lord that's my only plea tonight that alone I am a sinner that has been granted the grace to walk in obedience to your will. And oh Lord, how I praise you. So tonight, Lord, you're on that highest place. Father, I pray then, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit. Don't cast me away. Don't take your Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask tonight. You know my heart, Lord. You know my heart. These are not words. These are the desires of my heart. And then restore the joy of your salvation. Oh, Lord, I praise you. I lift up the name of Jesus. May you have glory, honor, and praise through the lives of your people that you would be glorified. And Lord, I, I, in my heart tonight, I see the second coming of Jesus Christ whereby behold the glory that illuminates in that day. And I thank you, Lord. He's coming for the church to bring home his bride. Lord, let me be among that number. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Terrell.